Ladies and gentlemen, coaches of all ages, welcome to the Rockstar Coaching Show, the number one podcast to help you live long and strong. Grab your avocado, put your horns up, and prepare to rock and with your Treat. Welcome to another episode of the Rockstar Coaching Show. It's your co-host. I got me here, Dustin Bogle, joined by Coach Christian. Oh, yeah. And we are super excited for today's episode, guys. We got a special, special guest. Um, definitely somebody we have a lot of similarities with. And, you know, again, not to brag, but just want to touch on some wonderful things that this man has done. He's got a Master of Health Science, a Bachelor's in Physical Therapy, a Bachelor's in Exercise Science. He's coached MMA fighters and numerous Olympians. His fitness systems has been implemented by the Army Rangers and Army Airborne Division. How cool is that? Uh, Martin developed one of the NFL combined training systems in the country with the Parisi Speed School. All right. Um, he's been a consultant for the New York Giants, New York Jets, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, and Carolina Panthers. And 130 of the athletes that he has coached has made it to the NFL and been drafted. Um, Martin has written eight books. I don't know if that's nine after <laughs> the one that we're going to be mentioning today, um, but we definitely want to touch on it. He's got an awesome book that's going to be hitting shelves soon, and we want you guys to hear about it. Um, he's also worked with some major companies like Nike, Marriott, Hasbro, and Perform Better, to name a few. And he's been featured on major networks like US, or sorry, ESPN, Spike TV, Fox Sports, NBC.com, Bodybuilding.com, Men's Health Magazine, and Muscle and Fitness Magazine. So obviously this guy is a big time achiever in the fitness space. But I think most importantly, he's known as the founder of Training for Warriors. And his mission is to train, or sorry, to spread the TFW fitness system around the world and help people bring out the warrior within. Ladies and gentlemen, I call him the coach of coaches. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Martin Rooney. Thank you hey, for joining us. I'm putting up the, the four for what we're going to be covering today. And uh, hey, it, it's my pleasure being here. And if for anybody that just listened to that, you might say, oh my gosh, did that dude do all that stuff? And the answer is yes, but what that means is I'm just getting really old. So hey, if you log, <laughs> you log 25 years in a area or in an industry you better have some great stuff to talk about too and hey i couldn't be more excited because today i'm not here to talk about me Re always remember guys you want to be a rock star coach you're not there to talk about you you're there to connect and learn about them and that's the only way you can help them so today i am here for you the listener to do that and i'm excited about some of the stuff we're going to cover thank you thank you so we appreciate your time martin we know you're a busy guy we're excited to hear about this new book and we wanted to just go through the four traits of a rock star coach with you but before we get going we, we always like to open up with some fun rapid fire questions so um these are just more insights into your preferences and so this is an easy combo to get us started all right so rapid fire could be one word or one sentence but just short so what is your favorite exercise I would say deadlift. <laughs> All right. And then conversely, what is your least favorite exercise? And, um, I like a lot of exercises. Hang on. My least favorite would be uh, calf raises. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Martin, I got one for you. Um, you know, as coaches, we're superheroes. We change lives every day. Who's your favorite superhero? My favorite superhero is The Flash, and uh, he's been my favorite superhero since I was uh, little. And I actually thought of myself as The Flash for a long time, because not only is he super fast, but uh, man, everything he does, he's always like doing it for the right reasons and not selfishly, if you've ever followed him. That's the right superhero. You're about to go to a track uh, training right now, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, and so I'm a track coach. So, you know, <laughs> and, you know, so that one makes it easy. So, you, you know, we're all about rock star coaches and rock star coaching. Who's your favorite? band who's your favorite artist well man that's a really tough one too i always say it's hard to have favorites but i'm gonna go with this one today which for rock which we're gonna bring out because he went to the same high school as me and that's john bon jovi where i don't think you can go wrong with that but we both went to sayerville high school in new jersey and man i've always been super proud of everything he's done around the world love it 
Martin, just a couple more rapid fire questions. Beyond your own set of books, what is your favorite to recommend to people? The favorite one is a, is a classic, which I think everybody should own it. It's just, you got to really take it for what it gives you. And that's uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People by uh, Carnegie, which is a classic. I read it every year, always get something new out of it. And there are updated versions that, because it was written so long ago, but I think everybody needs to read that, that book. Yes, love it. All right. Final one. What are you grateful for today? I am, uh, man, I am grateful every day to, to be alive and to be able to do the things that I do. So we talked about it. Today is the first day. I'm the high school track coach. Uh, and uh, today is our first day of practice. So I couldn't be more grateful that more kids than ever are coming out for the team. And I think that has to do with uh, coaching style, which I think we're going to talk about today. So that would be the immediate one is I'm super grateful uh, to be able to be a coach for somebody else, especially uh, athletes that you can really have a great impression on. Love it. Love it, man. All right. So that is our rapid fire questions. And now we want to dive into what we're really excited to, to touch with you today is what we call the four traits of the rock star coach. You ready to throw them up? This is how we use them. Yeah, I, I, I thought I already gave it to you a little bit here. Right? <laughs> I'm ready. So, so this, is our, this is our language we use to communicate with coaches. When they say, man, I want to take my career to the next level. I want to be greater. I want to make a bigger impact. How can we do it? And we always reference to sharpening those four tools in your tool shed. If you can really work on these four things, um, they're going to impact your career and you're going to grow. And some people are strong in other er or some areas and they need to work on others, but it's a constant thing. It's never like you've reached it. It's never a, a, a mountain that you've sum summited. Um, so we're going to dive into each one. It's just for, for us to kind of talk shop about it. And hey, if it's mentioned in something like your book or your courses or just some experience you had, like, please feel free to share those stories. And so we're going to kick it off with the first one, which I actually you know, purposely put it as a first one. And that is because it's where most coaches get started. So we call this trait the mechanic. All right. This is the nuts and bolts of knowing about the body, form correction, hormones, nutrition, um, modifying for your clients to keep them safe. And that's kind of like what the mechanic is. And most people get it by getting their CPT, by training themselves. And just through sheer experience, they develop these things. But it's never something that you're done you know, get it. You, you, you start with that base level and you keep learning more because you can always sharpen this tool. You can always learn more about the body and more about being a great mechanic. But the most important thing is that coaches don't get caught up in, you know, what, what we kind of like, I guess, synchronize our views with you is that uh, a lot of coaches create death and destruction workouts. Like, hey guys, we're doing a thousand burpee challenge today. And so sometimes that's them not using their mechanic skills. They're, they're using what they see is on social media, what they think the clients want, harder, more calories burned, you know, destroy me, break my back, you know, whip me on the back for what I ate this weekend. And it's not meant to be like that, all right? It's not meant to be a punishment. You know, your, your training's meant to build you up. Um, so I think most coaches, this is not a place you typically got to push a coach to learn about. They are drawn to this. They love learning about this. They'll fill up their calendar with more certs about training and nutrition and hormones. And I think when we get to the other traits, we'll understand why we want to always, you know, uh, be looking at all of them equally. But what I would say is, you know, to kind of like reflect on this trait, why is it, Martin, that you think coaches gravitate towards this trait the most, that they are like most interested in the training and the nutrition and the hormones? Why do you think that that happens with a lot of coaches? Well, hey, a number of things, and I'll, I'll riff on right here, is first off, what everybody should have heard, what you listen to is, and, or what I want to get make crystal clear is, coaching or being a great coach is a journey. It's not a, it's not a destination. You never get there. So the most important thing that I talk about all the time in either my courses and the new book, which is called Coach to Coach, is uh, you got to be coachable. I mean, you got to open student. And But what I think we're going to cover today is – but you have to understand where you should be investing your time and what you're studying. Now, if everybody listening heard the intro, you heard, hey, I've got three degrees uh, and, I'm, you know, and I'm an orthopedic therapist and I lived at the Olympic Training Center when I was on the bobsled team. I've got a black belt. I was a division one track and field athlete. And here's what I'm going to say, and this is a bold statement. All of that is incredibly valuable, 
but none of that is where I spend the predominance of my time now in order to get results. And why that is, is I'm going to say something powerful. Hey, you can only have so many push-ups, right? Like, and you only need so many push-ups. And, and man, if you're deep diving into like the hormonal responses of food, but get anybody to eat right, or you can't get anybody to get to bed on time, that knowledge that you are collecting like an information gatherer doesn't always have value because you can't deliver it. Now, that being said, you gotta have it. So don't say like, oh, Martin Rooney just said uh, knowledge isn't important. No, 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 no. Knowledge is the most important. And the reason to answer your question that people spend their predominant amount of time in that area is that's what they're passionate about. Like, hey, I got bit by the iron bug really young. I love training. And because I love training, that's what I started to study. And because of what I studied, I continued to deep dive but when I started working with the best in the world and so many teams, I started to realize I wasn't getting the results that I wanted, even though I knew all this stuff. And that's what opened up the doors to what I'm sure we're going to talk about are the other three areas. So the cornerstone is the mechanical knowledge or whatever you want to call it. But, but eventually it, there are shortcomings to it if that's all you have, right? So I, I guess, so again, each one of them is a pillar but you got to know where you're spending your time. And if right now you're still studying the origin insertion of the sartorius muscle, you're probably not making a lot of money. And then you're complaining saying every other trainer down the street doesn't know anything. Well, then I would question and I would say, Hey man, maybe you should go see what that other person is doing that has the packed place where they may be doing some things you can learn from. So hopefully that, that hits it. So, Hey, is the knowledge important? Yes. And, and here's the word that I would use. That's compulsory now, baby. Like you got to have, whether it's degrees or certs and you got to know your stuff or you shouldn't be a coach or a trainer. But once you got that stuff, there is this whole frontier of more things you have to learn or you're going to fail. Right. Cause that's, it would be the great part, I guess. Right. Uh, Mrs. Smith. I always use that as the example the overweight woman that's on the couch that just got a bad blood report and maybe is losing her relationships that now saw your Facebook ad that wants to come train with you. She doesn't care what, you know, you know about leptin and its relationship to sleep, right? She cares. Are you the right person? That's going to be the one that finally gets her the results that she's after. And unless you understand how to coach like that, and that's like, that's my wheelhouse, you know, that like, then man, all that stuff you learned, not only is not valuable, but you can't help people. And then everybody loses. So, so do you need the knowledge? Yes. But once you got it, like stay there a little bit, but holy cow, man, don't argue, don't be on the internet arguing over kettlebells versus dumbbells when you got an empty gym that you're burning a lot of cash a month, uh, you know, not helping anybody. Yes. I love it, man. <laughs> I, I, I was the rock star version trying to stay yeah. hip and groovy. <laughs> I, I it, man. something that was like a, a pattern interrupt for me as a coach is i got my cpt and immediately my brain went to pounds and calories and fat loss and just helping people and then you know when i actually talked with more people because this is me taking a test at home and studying and thinking what people want when i actually talked to people and said what do you want it was exactly that They're like i want someone who's going to believe in me i want more confidence because i won't stand up for myself. I don't have enough energy to get through my day and I'm drowned, I'm drained giving to everybody else. And so that was like a huge pattern interrupt for me as a new coach when I first got into the industry. I was like, holy cow, I thought they wanted one thing and they want something else. And so I was just gonna ask you, Mark, did you have something like that where you got in thinking people wanted something? Because you you began working with a lot of athletes. So they wanted faster times, you know, heavier weight, you know, they want to pass their combine test. But now you work with, you know, the average Mrs. Smith of America. What was that pattern interrupt or something that caught you off guard that you yeah, were surprised? Yeah, absolutely. It, now it's, a, it's been, hey, it's been a journey for me. And, and they're all, I guess you could say they're all tiny pattern inter interrupts that happen. And it didn't just, hey, I wasn't just the pro guy. I mean, I was, even when I was working with the pros, never forget, there's not that many pros. So I spent as much time training kids and you know, for lack of a better term, housewives or moms that would be coming into the gym. It was just the, the, the pros is what everybody liked talking about. But where the bread and butter was, and, and hey, for everybody listening too, that might be an important thing that one of my missions is to make better coach, coaches, but it's also to remind them you got the best job in the world. So you heard, oh, Army Rangers and pros and Olympians. But the thing is, hey, if you can save somebody or really help somebody out in your gym, 
you better remember that's why you're doing it, not because you want to say you trained some Super Bowl team. Because at the end of the day, that won't be that rewarding, just like a new pair of shoes or something like that. But, uh, but that being said, yeah, there were, there were many times. Now, remember, I was an orthopedic therapist dealing with people's health. And what I found was I wasn't the most knowledgeable therapist or the most experienced. But the people that got better the best were the ones that I developed the best relationships with, the ones that trusted me the most, and the ones that knew that I wanted them to get better. And I thought that that was always my greatest gift. And when I moved into, say, purely fitness, that still stayed the same. So I'll challenge anybody out there. Are you super excited about that person? And like, do you want them to get results more than you're worried about your own results? And if that is the case, they're going to get better no matter how many like uh, core exercises, you know, or, uh, you know, or, you know, I'll keep making jokes, but it's like, you know, if you, if you can recite the benefits of gluten free, but like you can't connect with a person and they don't think you care, man, then you're worried about your own Instagram more than you are those people and therefore your business. So ultimately there again to say it, yes, I had to get slapped in the face many, many times over the years that I had had to realize it wasn't about me, it was about them. And, and, but I made that transition that I had to learn those areas too, whether it was, you hit one on the head, communicating, like, did I find out what they wanted and what they were after? See, I might say, hey, Mrs. Smith, we're gonna, we're gonna bash out this new workout, 100 of these, 90 of those, 80 of these, because I think it's cool. And she might be like, man, I, I just wanna like lose a little fat so I look better in this dress because, you know, I got a, I got a big event coming up in a few months. And unless you've had that conversation, you know, what you're doing probably isn't going to work. Yeah, love it. Love it. So, I have a question for you. You know, you say, uh, of course, like the trainers out there, we want the knowledge, we want to upgrade, and, we, you know, we're nerds of fitness. Like, we really want to get that information. So, obviously, information isn't everything. It's about caring for them and being able to implement that information. But for all the coaches out there, if you had to recommend like a quick way to gather as much information as possible where they, they want to become a trainer. They want to become a coach, but they're in, like, I have I know a lot of coaches that are in the thirties, forties, just trying to like leave the life that they weren't passionate about step into this passion. And maybe they don't have the time to go get a master's, you yeah. know, or to go become a doctor. So what would you recommend for them to get their mechanic skills up to par that way they can start changing lives? Well, Hey, one thing, and I'll, and I'll caution everybody listening. And here would be a, a big piece of advice, right? Like, cause you said something that was important. Like, Hey, how fast can I get it? How can I go? And I'm going to say something really important. Hey guys, whatever it is, if you want to do this, you still got to be patient, right? Like there is no, like, just like the student knows, if you cram, you're probably not going to know the information. Just like the farmer knows, man, you can't skip planting the seeds and never water and then think you're going to get some fruit. So if this is something you want to pursue, hey, you got to go after it, but you got to also be patient of how that is going to happen. So man, I wish I had an answer like, oh, go get this one course and you got it. But if it was that easy, everybody would do it. So, and everybody's got different learning styles and the things that they're interested in. Like, hey, even for myself, after all the degrees, then, hey, I'm a CSCS. I went through NASM, ACS, like, like, man, I was always on the hunt to learn more, but it took time, right? So what I would say is, if this is what you want to pursue, you got to chip away. But here's the big, what I want to get across, if I can say this clearly, is don't do it because you want letters and numbers behind your name do it because you want to really know the knowledge so that you can share that knowledge and help more people and that's a different way of studying and if you study it like that it's going to take a little more time right like i can go take a i can i can smash a weekend course fast i read fast but man am i going to know it or just like uh yeah if if i could give you a black belt in a week i would hope you wouldn't want it because like like I don't know. You didn't earn it where, look, one of mine is sitting right here. These are the reminders for me. Like, dude, this is, this is 12 years, man, 12 years killing myself. And I would never want it any faster than that because of all the lessons that came with it. So for anybody, listen, I don't care if you're 30 or 40 or 50, you're going to live till 90, which is probably what we hope you got, you know, even if you start at 50, you got 40 years to go. So, so don't rush it, like take it, and and do it because of how you really want to learn it and and hey 40 years from now is going to happen but if every day you're doing something to get in that direction you will be that that person that superstar that'll help more people if that answers big fitness amen <laughs> to that brother
You know, you know, uh, I have this belief, Martin, that I say 99% of stress is self-imposed. And that's a perfect example that that is something where somebody imposes speed or that they need to match. They have those last letters after their name. I need to have it too. And, and no one, no one really is going to put that pressure on you. It's usually you putting it on yourself, what they care about. And, and we're going to dive into it more on these traits, how much you care, because you don't need any degree or certification to show that. And that's really what yeah. they want more than anything. Well, and what you're talking about there, Dustin, which is important, and here's another one for the listener, which you love, because social media has changed the game in many ways, and you've hinted at that today, where now with social media, oh, I got to do what this guy's doing, or oh, look, this person's showing their butt, and they have a million likes, and here's what I'll say, also going along with how you said the stress comes from within, comparison is the thief of joy, Right. So for instance, today, if you would have asked in that rapid fire, Hey, Martin, who are you comparing yourself with? I would say, I'm not. And if you said, Hey, who, who, uh, what do you think of these guys or those? I would say, I don't cause I'm worried about what I'm doing and who I'm trying to help. And because if I get caught in this comparison game, this edited fake world that doesn't really exist, then we all lose. Right. And that's why I see today. A lot of people, I don't know if social media is really making people feel better. Right. And, uh, you know, so because usually whenever I'm on there, even I feel a little worse, you know, like after I've seen things. So I'm I'm saying that again with that idea of patience is, hey, anybody that you want to be a coach, you want to really grow as a coach, do what you want to do, not what somebody else is doing and uh, and do it because it's it's what's inside your heart and your guts of of why you really want it. And if you stay true to you, you're going to feel great. And, And I will say that's something that I always did and I never tried to be someone else and then you know what you end up being the best you you could be and then the world wants to hear about it so well you know, well said yeah. and I, I think this is a perfect segue into our next trait which is the professional and it, it does include social media how do you carry yourself on social media how do you carry yourself in person how do you dress how do you act how's your time management those are all the things that kind of go into the the professionalism you know the reputation yeah. Um, that you carry yourself. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I want to touch with you on was specifically actual disease that I think really, it it just takes over trainers and the the whole fitness industry from within. And that is the money mindset, because part of being a professional is charging what you what you're worth and believing in it and having the confidence to ask for it and not discounting your services, understanding like the value you're going to provide this person. And I think a lot of coaches and trainers struggle with it. Again, this is just my opinion because they're selling the invisible. All right. I I don't get to go home and unbox a coaching program. I don't get to show everyone the keys to my new coaching program. I don't get to go home and like make a video of me opening up the package to my coaching program. It's an agreement. It's a investment and it's a believe in me because I'm going to burn these mystery things called calories in your bodies. You can't see them. I'm going to change the hormones. You can't see them. I'm going to believe in you. And everything that we're selling is invisible. So I see a lot of coaches struggle with that. And so um, I know that for a lot of them, it's an uncomfortable subject when it comes time to pitch their services or to, to ask for the commitment or to get that agreement signed. And so my question for you, Martin, is like in your you know, travels and even within the, the group that you work with, your TFW network, how have you coached people to kind of move through that money mindset issue and to really feel comfortable charging what they're worth as a fitness professional. Yeah. Well, Hey, we'll even take it a step back again. Cause there's a lot of stuff there. And the first one for everybody listening and, uh, and it's pretty interesting what my book, and I keep pointing over here, like, Hey, here's the, the cover of the new book. Cause it's coming out. <laughs> but, uh, um, Hey, if you're going to call yourself a fitness professional, which a lot of people do, I take, uh, I take words very seriously, just like if you're going to call yourself a coach, which I believe is one of the most honorable things anybody can ever call you. That's why I'm defining it out. Then you need to take it very seriously, but you have to decide what that means to you. So when someone says they are a fit pro or a fitness professional, then, and if anyone is listening now, I will challenge you then. So that should mean then that you eat than anybody else that comes to you. You get eight hours of sleep or sleep better than anybody else that comes to you. Your workouts are on point. The actual stuff that you deliver, 
so that you not only have confidence in what it is that you do, but they have a confidence in you too. And that is related to, like you heard, uh, how you dress. If you notice, I'm showered and in a polo top for the podcast. You know, I don't, and I didn't even know if this is going to be videoed or not or how we're doing this, but there is a way I conduct myself. There is a way that I speak. Everybody will notice uh, during this entire thing, I will not curse. I will not use uh, profanity or, or the wrong uh, political views or anything else because I'm trying to be so professional that I can earn the respect of the listener who may not know me that then maybe I earn their trust that they will listen to me. And if I have not done all of those things, which again is learning your stuff, but then you got to do this stuff and the way you present yourself publicly and how you write and how you speak and what your social media looks like, that, like, I have a certain definition of what professional means. And because I understand it, I conduct myself according to it, and then I get the results. So the first challenge of it all, guys, is what does professional even mean to you? Does it mean you went through a weekend course and now you call yourself a fit pro? Then, man, then you might not look so sharp, and maybe you come to work not shaved, and, uh, and then maybe you're not working out, and you're going drinking at the bar on Fridays and posting it on your social media, which probably then Mrs. Smith isn't listening, right? And I'll say this. If anybody listen, if that hurts, right? Because I'm here to coach, right? And the coach has to give, uh, I like to say, love tough, not tough love. Like I'm loving you tough here. You want to be in the fitness industry. Well, let me give some other examples. So watch, Dustin, Christian, I'll give you a question. Hey, would you go to a piano teacher that doesn't play piano? No, no sir. Would you go to a martial arts instructor that doesn't do the martial art? Nope. You need brain surgery. You're going to go to the doctor that doesn't know how to do it. <laughs> then are you going to go to the fit pro that is not only not fit, but doesn't eat right, doesn't do the exercises they prescribe, doesn't get enough sleep, doesn't look the part, and then all over their social media is either a, a bunch of stuff about them or behaviors that you don't want to be part of? And the answer is no. And I don't know when that started in our industry, but I'm, you know, I'm trying to be a force that we help clean it up. because, And it's not to witch hunt, it's because I believe in fitness so strongly like my own religion. And hey, when I see it done incorrectly and it scares people away, it's like spitting in my church, right? So, uh, which, and I love the way that that came out, by the way, because it all goes back to, we have to define what professional means. For instance, like, hey, a doctor, if a doctor walked in and he stunk of cigarettes and his clothes are dirty and he's half shaved and he's coming in for a consult, you're going to be nervous, right? Because they have identified what it means to be one, right? Or if a lawyer came up to you in a bunch of sweat, in, in sweaty clothes or something like that, you'd be like, man, shouldn't this cat have a suit and tie on or something? Like, you know, this is, you know, this dude's charging 200 an hour. So we need the same, I guess you could say standards, but because they don't exist, you need to create them for yourself. And that again, goes back to being professional. Now, I don't know if that answered what we were talking about originally, but I know we got some good stuff there. <laughs> uh, it was really good to hear your points on it because that's why we made it its own trick because it means that much that people will come and train with you or not based on your reputation, your professionalism. Again, those trainers, they're getting a lot of attention right now. They're, they're, they're like half naked. They're drinking booze. They're, you know, taking pictures of all the processed food that they're eating, pop tarts and this. And it's because it's eye-catching and it gets likes that they continue to do it and it becomes this vicious cycle. But it's not going to take long for people to get burned enough or to see the truth or to understand there's no longevity in that. And so that's kind of where we're playing the long game, the infinite game. We're not playing the finite game because what yeah. is popular on Instagram today won't be what it will be around in 10 years. So I love that you hit that. But, you know, the, the, the direction I wanted to kind of take us next was like, coaches being uncomfortable with the money side of things because no yeah so let me hit that sure I'm, I'm, here's I'm something i had to learn a long time ago but maybe i had some advantages but by being a therapist first and hey this was pretty interesting when i was a therapist we had to wear shirt tie you know slacks shoes every day there was a way that we looked there was a way that we carried ourselves and i always considered i had more value as a result of that, right? But regardless if someone is a therapist or not, what I want them to understand is the value of yourself you carry inside your own head. And uh, so then when I moved to fitness, I still 
commanded that value, at least in my own head. And therefore I dressed a certain way and I did a certain thing, but I always wasn't great at it. For instance, when I would be asked to speak in the beginning, I spoke for free for a really long time. And you know, and when someone would ask me to write something, I wrote for free for a very long time, but that was developing my professional skills. And I can remember having conversations, and this is important for anybody listening too, who are your mentors or who are the people that you look up to that can also help you and show you that you have value. And now that's who I play for a lot of my organization, which is around the world. But it goes back to as a professional, it's how you value yourself. And yes, I don't think we always value our, our, our services or what we deliver, but here's a great one that'll help everybody listening. Hey, Dustin, what would uh, 20 more years tacked on to the end of your life? What would you pay to have that? Any price for that. Yeah, there is no price. It's priceless. And this is what I see in my mind. This is what I sell. I'm not selling a 21 day program or you're going to, you know, add an inch to your arms or take one off your hips. Like that's a byproduct of a lifestyle of fitness. But I am like, I, you know, what's somebody's bone density worth? What's somebody's, again, to spend 10 more years with their family or for their family not to see them unhealthy or to hear the diagnosis of a pre preventable disease? And when you start thinking that this is our currency, guys, versus you want to come up with a the squat killer Godzilla leg workout and you think you're tough, like we're playing on two different ball fields, right? And, you know, small time and in the pros. And what I'm trying to play is in the pros where I understand the power of what fitness is, what it can do. And, uh, and therefore, because I understand that there's a big value that goes with that. And, uh, but as I tried to mention, it starts in your own head, what you think your value is. And a part of that is related to the mechanic part. If you want a little connection there, because if you don't have the mechanic part, you're not going to probably value yourself because you don't have a lot of knowledge or whatever ex expertise to offer. But because when you have that and then you value yourself and then you treat yourself and act like a professional, the money will come, right? And, uh, and same thing like we started today, being a professional or being great, there's no end to it. And, and using that example again, I said brain surgery before. Hey, say, and hey, we would hope that would never happen. But uh, if either one of you guys needed brain surgery, would you want the guy that was pretty good or do you want the best? The best. You want the best. And you would go anywhere to get it, right? You would go to the greatest professional in that specialty and you would go anywhere and pay anything to get it. And uh, why shouldn't we sit, think the same way in fitness? So why shouldn't you be known? See, I was known in the world. Like you want to get faster? You want to go to the NFL? You got to go to this guy, right? And people would pay big. Hey, you want to you put a UFC belt around your waist? You should learn from this guy. Right. Like there were, there were, I, I did those things and then that demanded that. Now the niche might have been smaller, but that was the stuff I was very interested in and passionate about. So everybody has to decide that. But where, man, I love how this is coming out because we're actually giving people a roadmap to do some amazing things in their lives. Now you just, like we talked about, you got to be patient, then you got to do it. But uh, hopefully, maybe that gave the answer to that I, I, one. I love it because it sounds like, the imposter syndrome, you know, we hear that and you're right. If you don't have those mechanical skills, then you go try to charge $400 for a month. People don't see how does that match up? Like you just got started. You just got certified. So that's why you tend to see a lot of trainers will do free training or low cost training to get those experiences, to get those notches on the belt. And then I think the hard part is the transition is like, okay, I've been doing this for a few years now. I've helped a lot of people. I need to raise my price. I need to charge what I'm worth. And I think a lot of people get stuck on that. Could have been, like you said, up in their mind, they grew up hearing money doesn't grow on trees. Money is the root of all evil. You know, the rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And so if you're, you know, upbringing painted this negative like light on money and asking for it and charging for it, you have this like internal struggle because you know you're helping the person, but your wiring is telling you and it's all tangled up that, you know, hey, money's a bad thing. Um, don't talk about it. Don't ask for it. It's uncomfortable. And, you know, the reason I bring this up is one of our coaches on our team is, it, again, they, I, I share this out of love for them. Same thing. Tough love, love tough. Is that they had a very visceral reaction to money. A client came to hand them like $30 for a supplement and they jumped back and they put their hands up and they said, I don't touch the money. That's our administration. So-and-so. And so I said, Hey, 
I'm not here to like put you on blast, but like you notice your body language. Like if you have that, that means you have some sort of internal thing about accepting money. And we kind of got to explore that. And again, I see a lot of coaches, the reason we're kind of like touching on this, I see it as a big problem a lot of coaches struggle with. So to your point, first get the reps, first get the experience, become something of value, and then, you know, start making work uh, or start doing that like mental work to be able to charge it and to believe in it. Because it well, and, Yeah, and, and hey, you're talking about some deep stuff there. Like if we're going back to people's relationship with money and which could have been from their parents. But remember, that's the, that's the same for everything, right? Like people have a bad relationship with food or they might have bad relationships with relationships. So all of these areas that we're touching on here, this is the deep stuff of where I spend a lot of my time now trying to understand because until you can solve those riddles, you know, one, you got to help yourself, but then you got to help other people too. But ultimately too, it's not just that relationship, but it might just be uh, fitness. I do it because I'm helping people, not because I'm trying to get money or, oh, it's fitness. So I shouldn't make a lot of money. I feel guilty because uh, I'm just helping people. But again, it all comes back to how a person values him or herself and what I'm trying to get across to everybody listening is if you are passionate about it and it is your career, then it's your God given right to make as much money as you can. And you should, because you love what you're doing, just like the best teachers or the best doctors or the best, whatever that we've talked about. Why, why that's not just reserved for them or why should a professional, a professional athlete, should they make tons more money? Cause they like playing baseball. Like, is that more important than what you do? And when you do that deep work and you start to understand it, you'll, discover your value now that's not saying like hey everybody listen to this go in and double your prices tomorrow and and get going it's uh i don't know but it's it's figuring that out for yourself but the ultimate answer is hey you can't go wrong with being more professional and deserving it first before you ask for it and uh and if you've done that work it's gonna be easier love it and i, I think something martin is touching on right now like you mentioned the, like how much would you pay for 20 more years on your life it's priceless i literally had someone watch me deadlift the other day in their 70s and they come up and they tried to sell me training to their mom after he told me he's 20 71 and i'm like okay well let's how old your mom she's 91 you know and the value to him of for whatever reason the way i was training he approached me and the value of adding an extra couple years to his mom's life was priceless. And I think at the end of the day, no matter how much money we make as a fitness professional, you just made it click that what we truly sell, if you're doing it right, and you trust yourself and you trust what you're, you know, servicing these people with, it's priceless. And like, you know, in reality, everything else becomes cheap compared to that kind of value. Yeah. Uh, you, you just, my mind's blown, Martin. Yeah. Thank you. Bro. Well, hey, awesome. here, well, here's one thing that I would say for everybody though, too. And Hey, I've had these opportunities, but now, now imagine that guy says to you, Christian, like, Hey, Hey, you want to train my 91 year old mom? And now you got a decision. Like he might even say, man, I'll give you a thousand an hour because I want her to stay alive. But what I'm telling everybody, and I'm hoping everybody's listening here, is yes, money is important and we should get what we deserve. But I'm going to tell you first, but you better be doing what you love to get that money or at the end, you're not going to feel great. So here's what I would have said. I don't, I don't want to train 91 year old people. You know what I mean? So if somebody said that to me, I would probably refer him to either someone that was passionate about that or that was better than me in that because I'm going to stay in my wheelhouse too. And I think that's a, I think it brings up an important thing because there were times in my life where I had to, you know, for everybody listening there, like I had the opportunity to make a lot of money doing certain things in fitness that I really came to the conclusion I didn't like doing. So I stopped, you know what I mean? Like it was just, there's stuff, I don't like doing that I get a lot of requests for. And then I'll say, man, you should go do that with this person. Cause that's what they, I guess, like doing. So everybody listening. Yeah. I, you heard the money part, but money, every study will show it. The amount of money a person makes is not uh, equivalent with their happiness, right? So the happiness goes with doing what they love to do. So my bigger question would be, uh, Hey, so Christian, if you had, $10 million in the bank, and you really didn't have to work because you had that money, would you train 91-year-old ladies? Great question. And like I said, that's where me and him no, are going back and forth. No, I'm asking right. you the answer. Would you do it? And every single time? <laughs> probably not. Probably not. See, not probably not, bro. You would, you know. So, and it's okay to say no. So then do you see how then that's probably not where you would want to be investing your time to become known as the 
top 91 player that, that whatever that's called a uh, right. you know beyond octogenarian trainer you know what i mean but there is somebody that's passionate about that and hey but do you see how these are deep questions because all of a sudden he's like well thousand an hour but well maybe ooh, ah. but but what i'm getting at is as you get older like me it gets way easier to make those decisions you know and uh yeah, for I'll, instance you know i'm going to coach track right after we do this there's no money in that but it's what i love doing you know what i mean so you know it's the kind of thing that that's i, I love that's what i'm doing I love that you're hitting this because you can go so many directions. You know, as a coach, <laughs> we get asked, can you coach my kids? Can you coach my mom? Can you coach my sister? Can you coach my buddy that's got this, you know, life, life-threatening disease? And here's yeah. the truth, you can't save them all. And yeah. so to your point, you got to pick who are you happy training and just get a bunch of them and, and under your, you know, care and give them the best service because it shows through in your passion. Yeah. Who do you really well, like spending exactly. time with? And what, you, what you're going to love, the new book, it's an exercise that you go through during it that you got a deep dive like to that. It really goes deep. Like, what do you want? You know what I mean? And see, cause at first people might say, well, I want money or I want, I want to look, I want lots of likes on Instagram. Really? Like let's get deeper. Like, what do you want? And then when they really, when you really come to those discoveries, it'll help direct you where you should go. And then man, when you really are doing what you're super passionate about, the world's going to find you, man. Like, Hey, the world would have never found me if I stayed a therapist forever. You know why? Because I like, even though I made good money, that is not what I wanted to be doing. You know, like, and it's nothing against the people I worked with. I love those guys, but I had, I had a, I don't know, something bigger. I could feel it. I could feel it inside. And it took, and I wish I could have all those years back that I just didn't do it. And that's why we're doing this now. So anybody listening, man, don't take five years more of doing something, you know, you don't like, but it, you're making some money on it or whatever and you never go after the thing you love you know because you can at least take a shot but you know and although pretty deep like hey the people the most famous people in the world and the ones we all admire i know they don't like hate what they're doing you know ask yourself that like you know the people we admire the people we want to be like do they like hate what they're doing and not value themselves right and i'm pretty sure we'll know the answer well, this is flowing like a great yoga workout uh, because <laughs> this, next trait, <laughs> this next trait is kind of like we're segueing ourselves here is, uh, is the leader. And so the leader is all about, you know, creating a cause, a purpose, a mission within people. We have all heard of that game, follow the leader, um, but people won't follow you unless they have something to follow. And so, you know, I think that it plays to your point that when they can see your happiness, they can see your joy and your passion, what you're doing. They're like, I want to follow that person because they're gonna make it fun along the way. They don't look like they hate their job. And you can feel when someone doesn't like what they do and that makes you not want to work with them, right? And so we say leaders inspire a greater purpose within people and the most important thing that I like about a leader is anybody can point out a problem, a leader does something about it, all right? So when we look at this, you know, we say we're literally fighting a war on American soil and that's because I don't know if you saw that CDC trend um, graphic but we're on track to hit 50% obesity by the year 2030. So there's literally a war on American soil and it's the war of obesity. And the way I see it is that every gym is a forward operating base, a coach is a trooper on the front lines, and every workout is a daily battle in that war. And so right now we're losing, we, we gotta turn it around and we need more leaders on the front lines to win this. So, you know, my question to you, Lauren, or sorry, Martin, <laughs> I'm thinking about <laughs> The female Martin is Lord. <laughs> I don't know why that popped in my head. We have a teammate named Lauren. It's probably because it ends the same way. Um, my question to you, Martin, about being a great leader, all right, is that how important is it to you that a coach works on their leadership skills? How important is that, in your opinion? And if there's any practical advice on how to build leadership skills, what could you give to a coach that wants to develop? Yeah, well, well, it's funny. Like again, and I'll show this again. My new book coming out. It's called Coach to Coach, and it's an empowering story on how to be a great leader. So a coach and the word leader or coach and the word teacher, they're so interconnected and they're so intertwined, they're the same. So for instance, if someone comes to you to lose weight, you, it's not your workout that does that. It's your leadership to get them to change their behaviors to get them to do that. 
And in order to be a great leader, we've already identified some of the stuff. So you do need the mechanical stuff and you do need the professional, uh, you know, background, if you will, right? Like that stuff is just essential. But what I'm saying even deeper is, and you hinted at it, for instance, hey, I've got hundreds of training for, and we call ourselves training for warriors because we are fighting that fight, which is pretty interesting. But do you see how until I became very passionate about it, no one was lining up to follow me. So it's really like, I would say, if your mechanic idea is the, the base cornerstone, like, hey, you got to have some of that before you do anything else in fitness. The leadership is the cherry on top. Like, that's the last piece. Like, that's the the piece that you've got to do a whole, all the other stuff first before you're ever, you know, leading the charge against obesity of, of the United States. Now, obviously you could start that in your town or in your community and then it gets bigger, but do you see how it's what people are passionate about? And here's what I would, I, I, man, you want to talk about a deep question. Anybody listening right now is your ultimate mission when you wake up to take on the, the potential 50% obesity rate, the pandemic, the global pandemic that is hitting not just the United States, but the world. And I bet a lot of them would be like, eh, no, nah, that's not what's really firing me up. And because that's not firing them up, that's not what they're doing. Maybe they're more fired up about barbell hip thrusts and building glutes, or uh, maybe they're more fired up about uh, some meme about calories in or, you know, <laughs> you know, calorie caloric deficit versus keto. But the whole thing is, what I'm getting at is you got to decide what really fires you up and what drives you and gets you out of bed every morning. Like mine, my mission is very clear. And, and I guess I would say it contributes to the mission of the global pandemic, but I'm almost taking it as I want to bring, bring out that warrior within, within each person in the thousands and thousands of people that are being impacted by our program every day. And that does involve losing fat and that does involve becoming stronger and a better person in your community. But do you see how, because I'm crystal clear on what that is, I've gotten a lot of people to be able to get behind that mission and follow it. So, so the word in the new book that we use is uh, clarity. So you need to have clarity, whether you say of passion or clarity of purpose, and until you have that, then why am I following you? You see what I mean? So, and that clarity dictates your life. So, man, if I want to be a fitness professional, and I'm very clear on that, then I need to eat right. And if I eat right, somebody should follow how I eat. But if I don't do anything, those things, man, you don't get to call yourself a leader because there's nowhere to take them, if that makes sense. And again, hey, today's talk is to you know, because I'm hoping coaches and fitness professionals are listening to this, this should hurt a little bit. It should be like, oh, that one hurts. Yeah, because I'm not eating right. Oh, that hurts, man. I haven't figured out what it is I want yet, but I'm complaining that I don't make enough money or have all these people following me on Instagram. Well, and you didn't do the, you didn't follow the roadmap that we're outlining for you today. Because I'm promising you if you do, not only are you going to get all those other things, you're going to get the better stuff. And, uh, and that better stuff, is like the emails I receive every day, the people's lives that have been changed and how this program has helped them and whether it's be a better, you know, person in fitness or, or their, in their family or whatever else. And you'll see that those will eventually become as great as the money you want. And those, if you get enough of them and your mission gets even stronger, there will be more people that want to be part of it. Right. And, uh, and Hey, that's not me talking. That's the greatest missions in the history of the world. They all follow that formula right? So you better be, you better be amped up and know exactly what it is. Or like, why is anybody going to line up to uh, join the charge? Right? Yeah, I, I learned this great quote recently. They say, don't focus on the fruit, invest in the root. Yeah. Right. And like, that's exactly what I'm saying. You got to be clear on where your roots are growing from. Amazing yeah. stuff. I love exactly. it. I love it, Martin. You know, there's clarity part of being a leader and having that vision. So everybody knows where you're going and if they want to follow you. Um, there's leading from the front, doing it first before you ask others. And then a big part of it's communication. I think some of the biggest leaders in our, you know, just world in our history were great communicators. You know, the Martin Luther King standing up and giving a great speech, you know, how well spoken are you? Are you doing the Toastmasters? Are you trying to develop your speaking skills? Because guess what? As a coach, you practice it every day when you run a session. How clear do you give directions on the exercise? How great are you at storytelling and inspiring hope to have them come again the next day 
And then there's the written, because as much as we are trying to like pull back on our social media, it's also practice for how much you're writing. You know, every text, imagine if everybody gathered all the text they wrote and all the social media posts, they wrote multiple books, but they just didn't channel that energy in the right place. And so that's what I like to point out as leaders is that you are always, you're, we're all speaking and writing all day long. And if you can develop those, those are all things that help you to develop those leadership skills. And to your point, the big thing is getting on board with a cause. What is the cause that you're focused on and get clear about it so that people can clearly see, is this the cause that I want to make an impact on? Because there's so many, we obviously can't impact all of them at once. You know, are we going to support Wounded Warrior Project? Are we going to help battle cancer? Are we going to save the rainforest in the Amazon, you know, and reduce plastic in the ocean? Like there's just, there's tons of them. We all have to kind of pick and choose where do we really want to leave our impact on the world? Where's our legacy going to be? So I, I love those. Well, and hey, and something really important, and I think we got to get this across too, for the listener, because I don't want to be leading here, meaning, uh, you know, pun intended. Um, hey, you don't have to take on a mega cause. If you just want to be the best parent to your kids or something like that, I mean, that, that mission is just as important, right? And uh, hey, maybe some environmentalists wouldn't like to hear that. But what I'm getting at is, hey, not everybody has to own their own business or not everybody has to make a thousand an hour or get 10 grand to give a talk. And if that's not what you're after, I just want to make sure that I'm clear with everybody listening that, hey, today we're giving you a roadmap, but you can apply that wherever you want. But don't let me lead you. For instance, I'm sharing with you the things that I have done. But Again, that was because I was interested in those things, not because, oh, this guy said this, so now I want to have that. And I see that mistake happen a lot where, remember, the beginning of all this is be true to yourself and what you want. It's okay to be the best coach at a gym that someone else owns, and then you go home to your family and enjoy your life, right? Like, as Dustin will tell you, be careful what you wish for that, uh, hey, maybe you don't want the anxiety, the stress to go be a public speaker or something else. So, hey, those are all, so so don't anybody think like, oh, now I got to go join Toastmasters. I, like, that's if you want to maybe, I don't know, improve your speaking or go be a professional speaker. So what I'm getting at is, guys, know what it is you really want, which I'm hoping is the heart of this today, and then go be a pro at that. And no matter what that is, as long as you stay true to you and don't compare yourself to someone else, you're going to be all right. Right. But, but if, but it, so I'm just making sure I'm clear on that, that it's not like, Hey, I'm leading you to like, Hey, you have to do what I'm doing or you, you didn't, you didn't make it or you didn't get there. No, 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 no. Uh, like sometimes I would wish for a much more simplistic life to be honest. And, uh, and, but Hey, this is what I, you know, where I am, but, and I'm, sh and I'm giving you a little roadmap how to do that, but I want you to see I'm the roadmap also works for whatever it is you want to do. Yeah. And you know, what's funny. Although we deal with a lot of uh, moms and housewives. And like I said, man, I mean, they're our best customer in reality. And you know what? I kept trying to motivate them in a way. Yet again, I'm a young male, you know, and a lot of testosterone flowing. That didn't work to motivate them. It was actually when I started bringing up being the best mother they can be. Like, remember what you're training for. You got kids you go, go home to, kids who are watching you in boot camp. And all of a sudden, people are sleeping on time. People are eating their veggies. It's like, if you push that button, the, sim the simple button, that it's very personal, that's when you really get the change. Yep. You know, it's, um, yeah. Well, what you're great, talking great about stuff. there is, hey guys, do not forget, this is the coaching talk. Coaching is about communication and something that you think is cool is not what someone else thinks is cool. And man, it gets much deeper. Like, and you might not be speaking the same language that they're speaking. So, hey, even when I'm out on the track, coaching a female athlete and a male athlete is very different. And not just because you found what they want or what motivates them. It's your approach. It's your body language. It's the way, you know, and, and so again, and it's beyond the scope of today, but this is the stuff that people have to dig into if they want to, to holy cow, like there's a, you know, just body language alone or the creation of rapport through that is incredible. And then how you communicate, the questions you ask, incredible. Then how you cue and how you would cue somebody to get the results you want. Like it'll, you know, again, that's why I'm saying be patient because you got a lot of years of incredible study to become this person. But yeah, you're, you're hinting on all of that. But if, but everybody's not the square peg, right? Because if you smash them into the round hole, it's not going to work. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, we saved the best for last. That's trait number four, and that's the showman. All right. This is our grand finale. <laughs> and so um, in today's world, you know, people need things to grab their attention. You got to stand out. 
and you got to be unique. Doesn't mean you got to be a um, dancing, you know, like trickster that's doing backflips and, and you're putting on a show for people in that way. It's more about just drawing them in to making them lean into you and to like hear what you have to say, keeping it engaging, keeping it fun. Um, fitness can sometimes be taken too seriously. And that showmanship reminds us like, hey, it's okay to smile. It's okay to high five. It's okay to be silly um, while you're on this journey because it makes it that much more pleasant and it makes it that much more enjoyable. Um, so, you know, uh, my background is funny, uh, Martin. I don't know if I've even shared this with you, but I actually used to do professional wrestling, like elbow drops, baby oil, all that stuff. And so we, when we were going through wrestling school, had to come up with a character, all right? And so you've probably seen them on TV, Hulk Hogan, Undertaker, all these guys. It's very clear what they're trying to depict. So I actually coach coaches to make their coaching persona. Like when you step on the floor, you become blank. Um, so it's funny. I had uh, these two coaches on our team. One is a Caucasian dude. One's an African-American dude. They call themselves salt and pepper. So they're like this <laughs> tag team on the floor. And they said, we're going to add more flavor to your workout. But, you know, the clients loved it. They started making T-shirts. They started bringing them custom branded salt and pe pepper shakers. And that made their work environment a whole lot of fun every day going in and, and just joking with each other. So it's one of those things that I, you know, say, hey, that's a great place to get started. Like, you know, you can have some fun. You can put some pizzazz on your coaching character when you step on the floor and you run a session. Um, but the other thing we always like to talk about the showmanship skill is storytelling. All right. Because um, we say it's the way that we've passed, you know, messages and, and important things from one generation to the next before we could write and do hieroglyphics we just sit around a fire and we would tell people about the generations before us and, and the mistakes they made and so that you can learn about it and i bet we're going to get a lot of that in your new book because it's kind of like doing that you know it's like sitting around a fireplace but reading a book version of those stories um so i guess my question to you and me and christian like always touch on this when we're talking to coaches is like a big part of what they do uh, can lead to burnout because it's early mornings, it's late nights, they can tend to start leaning on energy drinks. And so how is it that a coach could really keep that showmanship up, bring that energy, tell those stories, bring that fresh, you know, pizzazz, but stay away from the burnout side of things because that's where a lot of them end up going. Um, and that hurts their performance. It hurts their impact on their clients. Any tips for that, you know, for, yeah, well, I mean, the first tip is always, uh, I think people need to keep things in perspective. I think any job that anybody has for a period of time, it's very natural to start to complain. It's very natural to say this sucks. It's very natural to be like, my life is hard. And what I used to always remind myself, and maybe one of the, the advantages that I had always as a coach is I had a lot of other jobs before I ever was a coach. So, hey, I worked construction, man, and like just, you know, carrying, carrying wood and breaks, you know, like I, I did that for a period of time that uh, after that, coaching is easy. I did data entry. I was a waiter. And then when I became a therapist and I had to see four people an hour, every hour, which might also include evals, and you would just go and go. And then that night, there'd be two hours work after before I did my hour commute home, man. Maybe that was the greatest gift because I've never had a day harder than those days when I was coaching. And as a result, I always got just like, hey, uh, baseball players go on strike. Football players go on strike. They, they, the, the 10 million a year is not enough, right? So like it's our natural, I mean, human nature to complain or maybe the grass is always greener. And I think sometimes it takes perspective to hear this like this that every day is a great day and someday you would love to come back to it to do it. And I challenge anybody uh, to remember that because like how I like to say it is we're not digging ditches here, guys. So anybody that's listening, you aren't digging ditches. You're getting to be in fitness with music and fire people up and really help them. And if you keep sight of that and you keep the, your view on that passion and why you do it, then you'll keep doing it. And there are more famous stories like that. Like, if, I don't know if anybody's heard of Mother Teresa. If you haven't, you should read a lot about her. Uh, you know, where she was in Calcutta, India, worst place on earth, and the people she dealt with from the lepers and the poor, even worse. But because she was so passionate about what she did, every day was a great day, and now everybody knows her name, right? 
And I'm sure her job was a whole lot harder than your job. And she did it for a whole lot longer, you know, than the one or two years you do it. So I think that's one piece would be, if I could say it is to, to definitely have perspective. And, uh, but the other part you talked about is the, the show, um, how I also, and I did a number of speeches on this too. Remember, I did this whole speech called The Greatest Show. And, you know, I would go meet with actors and actresses and how do they, how do they do a Broadway show? You, you think your job's boring, everybody that's listening? Now imagine you're doing like cats on Broadway, same line, same stuff every day for like five, 10 years straight. And uh, here is maybe the gift that I can give you. When I would ask those people, how did they do it? They said, man, it's not the show that I'm doing. It's the people I'm doing it for. And even though I've done this a thousand times, this is maybe the first time this person is ever seeing it. So I got to be on because like this could be the, the life that I change with that. And, uh, and it becomes about standards where I met a uh, conductor and listen to this line. He would say the minimum that I expect is the maximum that I can give. And I've always used that one where, you know, even on this podcast right now, hey, Somebody listening, you know, hey, I got a lot going on and I'm all over, but I'm going to be lasered in and focused and give everything I got, the maximum I got, whether I feel like it or not. And uh, that one has never failed me. So, you know, if you even want to, you know, creating your own character or putting on like show, that's one thing. The other thing is, hey, have a high standard for yourself and always make sure you're doing a good job and never forget for a second, you got like a really cool job and it's actually kind of easy because it could be way worse. And uh and when we talked about telling stories, you know, it's so funny because you know my style of storytelling. This book, it's a fable. It's a parable. The whole thing is a story in a story. It's not a workbook. It's a story within a story because that is how people learn. But, uh, but guys, you got, I would also caution you on this. You got to learn everybody else's story too. Like, because I learned this one the hard way. Not everybody wants to hear your story. They want to tell their story. So make sure you're uh, part of the show is them. They're the star of the show, not you. And I, I was about to bring up your books about not yourself. You got so like, you know, we hit you with this list of how great you are and touching on the storytelling. I was going to ask you, why did you go that route? Most coaches want to tell the story of them. I know the more I talk about my clients, the more I guess invested they get into what we're doing here, the more they'll follow the leader. But at the end of the day, what made you make that decision rather than telling your own story? Well, one is <laughs> I think the story I wrote is more compelling than mine but uh but what i would say is hey there were a lot of times to be honest like training pros training people and i was that guy I, you know hey i was a 25 26 year old trainer once now going on almost 50 like that's it's different and i can remember kind of the slaps in the face of like hey man i don't want to hear about you don't you want to hear about me and it would be enough of those until you really realize like the best thing you can say is hey how are you doing or tell me about you versus i'm going to sit there and talk about me now remember they're gonna hear about you and they have to have confidence in you, but coaching is not about you, it's about them. And uh, so for instance, today when I go hit the track or then I go tonight when I hit the gym, it's not about me, I don't, I don't talk about me at all. I, I'm trying to connect with those people to, to allow me to have the skills to help them. And uh, so I wrote a story that allows people to really learn it and do it versus like a textbook or telling my story, which would be a lot, I don't know. And, and it's not that it's self-serving else, but I don't think my power, my story is gonna get somebody interested. But if there's a book out there that everybody could become a better coach and a better parent and a better contributor to their society, they're gonna want that. And that's the book I wrote. And uh, man, I, could, I couldn't be more excited about it because it's coming out so soon and there's so many big time people behind it. But yeah, that would be the answer that, you know what's funny? Yeah, it, you're going to see. It's not about you after a while. Like, I don't, like, I'm not worried about me anymore, man. Like, I know me. I got that. I want, I want to help as many people as I can uh, with the stuff I learned, not have them hear about the stuff I did. So. Love it. Martin, this podcast is going to be coming out mid February. Where could people get the book um, and where could they follow you and connect with you more? Yeah. Well, hey, here's the thing I'm doing. The, the book officially releases on March 10th, but I have a special deal. If somebody has listened this long, we're going to see if you, you know, I'm challenging everybody right now. I'm calling it Get One, Give One. So I want somebody to get this book, but I also want them 
to give this book to somebody they know, whether that person's a coach, a teacher, a parent, that they could benefit from this book. And if they do, I'm gonna send them a bunch of free resources that I created. One of them is called the 15 exercises every coach needs to do every day. This thing should be printed on their wall or their mirror. And, and another one is called the coach's creed. And man, when they read this, they will understand what their job is and whether they go on to the track, the field, the turf, the gym floor, man, Every day, it's going to be that thing they need to know that they need to hear. And that's what I'm going to deliver to them if they do do the pre-sale of the two books before that. And all they got to do is send their receipt to martincoachinggreatness.com. And then I will write them back and send them. And man, we've had so many people take advantage of it already. And, uh, and everybody's going to win because the person's going to get the book. Somebody else is going to get an incredible gift, which shows you're a good coach but then you're going to get some rewards uh, for doing that as well from me. So, and aside from that, Hey, you can find me on Facebook, on uh, Instagram at the Martin Rooney and uh, you know, uh, LinkedIn, um, you know, and then my website, warriors.com or coachinggreatness.com, And you can see some great blogs and other content. I'm always putting out there for everybody. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, hey, Martin, this was a real treat having you. Thank you for going through the four traits with us of a rock star. No, no, hey, this one, I, I think if anybody's listening to, if you like that, right, Dustin, so, you know, and say, man, you got to have this dude again, because I think we just scratched the surface of uh, what we're talking about. But, but anybody listening, hey, the best way you can thank us is take some action on what we said. Don't just say, like, I got it, or, yeah, I heard that. You think you know it. Uh, it'll only be something if you do something with it. And that's really the ultimate way you can thank your coach. And, and I love that so much, Martin. I'm going to ask everybody, take a screenshot of you listening to this episode, put it up on Instagram, put it on Facebook, tag Martin, tag me and Christian. Tell us what you're going to do as a result of listening to this episode. What action are you going to take? Because like Martin said, that motivates us to keep doing this podcast. It motivates him to be given with his time to see the impact. So that's what we're going to ask of you guys. Martin, thank you so much. This is Christian signing off, guys. Rock out for your block. <laughs> That's it.